You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Would you build a house without a foundation? Would you have a child and not name it? Would you let a stranger squat on your property? No, of course not. So why should the internet be any different? Every week, speak with top domain experts. Learn how to make money with domains. Know your legal rights. Each week, join our expert host to be master of your domain. Right here on Domain Masters. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural show of uh, Domain Masters. Uh, I'm Monty Khan. Um, I'm proud to be here. I happen to be in Fort Lauderdale at the wonderful Webmaster Radio Studios. And uh, um, unfortunately, it's a little bit colder here than it probably is in the, in much of the country. Uh, we had, uh, what, 48-degree weather last night. <laughs> So anyway, we uh, we want to welcome everybody who's in the chat room. If you haven't logged into the chat room, uh, please uh, visit the lounge, uh, log in to Webmaster Radio, and uh, and get into the chat room so you can interact with everybody. Um, wanted to also introduce uh, some of the people that will be um, on the air with me each week. Uh, Jay Berkowitz, our chief marketing officer for Moniker.com, who also is uh, the founder and CEO of um, um, Ten Golden Rules.com. Uh, Jay uh, was the uh, director of marketing for one of the most successful um, online diet companies called eDiets, uh, which was located right here in uh, Boca Raton, Florida. Uh, welcome, Jay. Thanks, Monty. And uh, my partner, Eric Harrington, will be joining me from uh, time to time. And um, uh, we will also have lots of exciting guests um, on the show uh, that will be providing great content and um, tips of everything that has to do with domain name um, monetization, uh, domain name um, branding, all kinds of legal related issues. We're going to cover um, security, um, building online identities, domain sales and escrow services, building online um, um, search engine relevancy for domain names, uh, who is privacy, cover some of the um, um, major uh, legal and um, um, policy issues from ICANN. And really help everyone uh, navigate through um, some of the um, some of the hurdles that we face every day and uh, be successful with your domain names. Um, today we have uh, uh, two very uh, uh, cool uh, uh, guests: uh, uh, Noel McMichael, who is the uh, CEO of uh, who was a former CEO of uh, Market Leap and currently the senior vice president of uh, Search Engine Marketing for a Digital Impact. Um, and uh, we also have Dr. John Berryhill on the air today, uh, who is one of the foremost uh, uh, authorities in domain-related law um, and intellectual property law. Um, John is with um, um, a firm in uh, uh, Philadelphia, and we'll be uh, uh, talking about a lot of uh, legal-related issues today as well. 
And some of the future shows that we have coming up, we're going to have Matt Cutts from Google and David Wormuz from uh, Trillion on, and uh, the Web Father Rick Schwartz. And uh, so we're really fired up about having some really um, uh, good content and uh, people that have been in the domain business for quite some time. Um, those of you who don't uh, know me, I've uh, I've been in the the domain business since 1996. Um, started investing in domain names uh, back then. Certainly not uh, one of the first starters, but. Uh, we uh, uh, were quite successful in selling a couple of our own domain names and felt that, uh, that domain names uh, are, are property and uh, uh, virtual property and became uh, valuable that way and uh, became um, pretty well known after we sold the domain name uh, wallstreet.com, which was uh, one of the first domain names to sell for a million dollars, and then autos.com, which was the first domain to sell for $2 million on the web. Since then, we've... Uh, gotten an ICANN accreditation, and uh, uh, now we operate four ICANN accreditations, a web hosting company, and a very successful domain name sales and aftermarket business. So we hope that we'll be able to provide uh, a lot of good um, uh, information that will help each and every one of you uh, uh, related to um, domain-related issues. And uh, uh, we definitely want to hear from you and hear your feedback and hear what you want to talk about in upcoming shows um, so that it's important to you and uh, that we're covering things that you want to hear about because this is about you, not about us. Um, with that said, um, I also would like to thank the staff here, uh, Brandy and Darren Babin, and uh, uh, all the staff here at uh, Webmaster Radio for giving us the opportunity to share um, some of the knowledge that we've uh, and experience that we've uh, um, um, grown to know uh, over the years. And uh, they feel it's really relevant content for everybody as we're all online, all have businesses online. And, uh, you know, the domain name is a, is a foundation uh, to being successful and building your identity on the web. And we feel it's that important. So. Um, uh, we're going to break for a commercial in just a little bit and uh, introduce our first guest, which is uh, Noel McMichael. Uh, so please hang out and, uh, again, uh, get active in the chat room, and we'll be with you in a, in a couple minutes. Thank you. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on genienose.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, genienose.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. Genie knows how to deliver results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Proud sponsor of the Webmaster World. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content-based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well-written, informative content. High-quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch media.com today. Are you ready to optimize your website's full potential? Well, it's all about positioning. Trusted by search engines for delivering clean and optimized content pages for customers. The trusted fees industry pioneers at Position Technologies will help you build a solid foundation for creating long-term impact on you and your customers' bottom line. So visit positiontechnologies.com today and look forward to achieving new heights within the search engines. Unlock the adventure. Your key to the hottest games on the net. From Ultima Online to Dark Age of Camelot is here. Introducing Dual Cash. Dual Cash. Available wherever prepaid calling cards are sold or online at duocash.com. Enjoy instant access to the ultimate internet.
best gaming excitement anywhere. You see paybycash.com or Duo Cash. No credit card or bank account required. Game merchants and webmasters, get your game on. Don't leave money on the table except Duo Cash. Sign up today for the official prepaid game card of the internet. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, welcome back to Domain Masters. Uh, uh, glad that you can join us. Um, as uh, as we stated each week, we're going to have uh, some uh, pretty exciting guests on on the show that will uh, have some uh, great tips and uh, have some really relevant content to um, online identity and, and domain names and search engine optimization. And uh, it's a perfect lead-in for uh, my first guest, uh, Noel McMichael, um, uh, who is the uh, current uh, Vice President of uh, Search Engine Marketing for Digital Impact, uh, the former CEO of MarketLeap. MarketLeap is a San Francisco-based internet marketing firm that specializes in search engine optimization and uh, online customer acquisition solutions. And... um, I happened to have the pleasure of meeting uh, Noel back at the SES uh, meeting in um, in San Jose, and uh, we became pretty good friends and played some poker together. And uh, Noel, welcome to the show. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Monty. It's it's great to be here. Yeah, I'm glad. Very glad to have you there. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, I caught you on a on a jet plane on the way back, just ending up from the SES show. Yep. Uh, what 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 was going on over there? Tell us oh, about you what know, the hot it topics. Crazy. Were. It was. It was. It was uh... Very cold uh, in Chicago, but it was a great show. A lot of people there at the McCormick Center, and I uh, only got to make it to a, a few sessions, but you know, mostly networking with all the great people that are there. It was, uh, it was a fun show. Everybody's uh, getting revved up for 2005. Yeah, I heard there's about 3,000 um, attendees at this particular show, even though it was so cold, right? Well, I don't know if it was that high. I think maybe it was like 2,000, which is still up over what they had in Chicago last year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Now, you spoke at the uh, you spoke at the conference, correct? Yeah. we had a. It was kind of a joke session. It was kind of like search engine marketing meets the daily show. Uh, Danny uh, Sullivan and Jeff Roars had the idea of putting together a fake search engine, a, a, a fictitious uh, merger of uh, Google and Yahoo called Goohoo. Uh, and instead of uh, hey, You never know. That might be a, that might be a, a merger in the future. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? But it was a really funny session. It was really kind of an opportunity opportunity to kind of trade seats where some of us who are you know been in the search engine marketing business for a long time sort of played the the meet the crawlers role so you know a lot of times you go to the meet the crawlers session and, and you don't really get all the juice that you want to get out of these guys and so uh, I think there was four, there was four of us uh, Greg Bozier, uh, Dana Todd myself uh, and who am I forgetting I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, we we were all uh, oh Andrew Goodman we we were all vice presidents of this search engine and asked a lot of different questions uh, about different policies about trademark about spam about paid inclusion and editorial processes and 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 it was just hilarious because everybody was sort of tongue in cheek and I think the funniest part of all is that Greg Bozier was the vice president of editorial uh, quality control. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump in here for a second. This is SE Guru, by the way. Uh, it, it, you've got to be kidding. Oh, no. It was great. And uh, Tim Meyer was in the room, and Jonathan Glick from Yahoo, and some other guys <laughs> from the search engines just sitting out there writing down their notes and... and uh, you know, sometimes they're laughing, and sometimes they're not sure if they should be laughing. And they're shaking their heads. They're shaking their heads. Right. Oh, my gosh. But anybody who was a search engine marketer, it was really a, a session 
very much for those who are in the industry and, and the search engine marketers in the audience were just cracking up. It was really fun. Well, that sounds great. Um, what were some of the hot topics uh, besides uh, uh, besides those that you heard about or that, uh, that are, are yet to come in the next day or two while the show's going on? Well, you know, there's a lot of hot topics. Um, you know, the, the click fraud was being talked about a lot. You know, of course, this time last year at the Chicago show, everybody was buzzing about the Florida update, and that doesn't that wasn't even a topic at all or an issue anymore, it seems like. But click fraud was being talked about. MSN Search had a gigantic booth there. This is the first time they've ever made a major presence. Uh, well, they just came the out, right? They just uh, introduced their service. Uh, they back, did, yeah. and, it, and everybody's buzzing about it. And uh, it's you know, for a first stab, I think these guys have done a pretty good job. Yeah, well, you know, it looks like we got to pay uh, pay Mr. Gates a little bit more money than I guess. That's all right. Hey, more competition in this space is better for everybody who's a search engine marketer. Right, definitely. Hey, um, tell us a little bit about you and your um, and how you got into uh, your business, and a little bit about how you started Market Leap, and sure. um, um, you know how you've brought that company uh, to be successful, and uh, some of the some of the lessons learned, and that you can you know give to to some of the listeners out there that can help them with their own businesses. Okay, well. I'll, it's kind of a, it's kind of a long story, but um, uh, five years about you know, a little, just over five years ago, Paul Owen and I started the, the company uh, in San Francisco. We were webmasters here out in Silicon Valley, doing the corporate consulting game and helping a lot of different people build websites and intranets. And uh, on one particular project I've been working on, I launched a big website and uh, was responsible for a lot of different you know, the whole, all the aspects of building the site. But nobody was really, uh, you know, knew much about, okay, now the site's live. How do you bring people to it? How do you right, drive right. traffic? And I was dealing with a client that had a very limited marketing budget, couldn't go out and blow a lot of money on banners or, or anything else. And <clears throat> search was sort of an emerging um, idea. And, and then so I started looking for some expert help. And I had some great friends up in Bend, Oregon, who knew of some guys at a company called MMG or Multimedia Marketing Group. And just sort of a fast forward, that company later became known as Outrider. But uh, some some people that became great friends of mine, Marshall Simmons, Detlev Johnson, uh, Derek Wheeler, Jeremy Sanchez, Chris Herman, all these guys uh, were at this company called Multimedia Marketing Group, uh, and it was recommended that I hire them to help me do some search on this, on this uh, project of mine. And so I retained these guys, and we had incredible results, and it was just probably the funnest project that I'd ever... Uh, done uh, with respect to, to being a webmaster, and just uh, loved it. It was it was cheap. Uh, uh, you know, you could do a lot of it right there. You didn't have to get into media buys. Of course, this is you know way before the P for uh, P days, and so I had uh, so much fun doing it that about a year and a half later, I decided that you know I was going to get into this business. And part of it was driven by the fact that you know I was living uh, in San Francisco. Uh, in the in the late 90s, uh, you know, when it was just hopping, it was going crazy. Everybody was starting a business. Everybody was making a lot of money. And I decided, you know, I'd always wanted to start my own business. And this it seemed like, you know, there wasn't going to be a better opportunity. The soil wasn't going to get better uh, to start a new business. And this was, of course, in October, November 99. Yeah, so back started, in the good old days, huh? Right, yeah, the right good old days. The what was the worst thing that could happen? You know, our business would fail. And, and kind of because it was our first business to start or my first business to start that, we kind of fully expected it to fail, and we kind of thought, well, if we can make it to two years, we'll consider it a success, and we'll learn, and we'll move on. Uh, and, and, you know, the worst thing is is we'll just end up having to go get a great job at, uh, you know, one of the many uh, hot Internet companies in the Valley. Well, what happened? Six months later, the whole bottom falls out. <laughs> you know, the market crashes. Uh, there's a six-week 
waiting list at U-Haul in San Francisco because, of course, the cost of living here is insane. And, uh, you know, everything started changing. And we just um, all of a sudden realized, oh, shit, we've got to make this thing work. Uh, and, uh, and it actually ended up being a, a real blessing in disguise because as a lot of Internet marketers started, uh, or even on, any online marketer started having their marketing budgets uh, slash, you know, they were spending all these money on uh, uh, Super Bowl television ads and, right. and, and crazy parties in the city. All of a sudden, they had to, you know, the CEOs are saying, you know, we're not going to give you any more money unless you get serious. And so all these marketers started turning to search. They started discovering search. And that's really, I think, when, when this industry really got its legs and started you know, uh, growing. And so our business actually started taking off from there. And uh, now when is this? In, uh, in, in still in 1999 or you're well, in 2000? Well, this would have been March 2000 when right. the NASDAQ crashed and everybody thought, you know, the sky was falling. And it seemed like it was, but, you know, we had a few really great clients at that time that really stuck to us. And, and our motto at that, from that point on really became, you know, when, it, when, when the stuff hits the fan like this uh, in any situation, but certainly this one, focus on your existing customers. And that became the first big lesson that we learned. If you, you know, you shouldn't worry about going out there and scrambling to get new business until you know your current customers are satisfied, they're happy, because that always becomes your best source of referral. Yeah, definitely. Is when your customers are telling, you know, saying great things about you. And that's how we continue to grow our business was by word of mouth and referral. Yeah, that's great. That's, you know, it's, it's similar because uh, when we, we ended up selling, uh, you know, two big domain names right at the end of 1999 and everything was flying and then, uh, of course, the bottom falls out. And it's so um, it's so similar because what happened was is as the market's crashing and everybody's like oh that it's dot com you know the dot com industry is crashing it happened to be the time where we really put our noses to the ground uh, grindstone and um, and those businesses that were going out of business happened to be the brands and the domains that we actually helped sell they were the last remaining assets uh, for these companies and so. Uh, they um, uh, it kept us alive uh, yeah. uh, during that time as well. So yeah, that's right. You know, and and there, there was a lot of that kind of activity for us as well. I remember one of our biggest client, and this seems kind of strange, but one of our best clients, Kaiser Permanente, uh, ended up buying all of the assets uh, of of uh, uh, Webvan when those guys went uh, belly up. Uh, and that may seem a little weird, but they you know Webvan had built a very sophisticated uh, inventory. Uh, uh, management system in this very high-tech warehouse over in the East Bay of San Francisco, which, of course, is where um, uh, Kaiser is, is based. But uh, they were our client. What ended up happening is they said, well, we've got like 75 domain names that these guys own, and we don't know what to do with them. And so we still helped them start managing those, and we did uh, uh, asset valuations on all those domain names so that they could put those on the books as assets. And in some cases, uh, give them away as charitable uh, donations when they needed to. And, you know, these guys knew. So we had webband.com and homegrocer and all these different great domain names. And so even even we kind of benefited from that as well. Right, right. Hey, while we're on that subject, uh, uh, you know, related to Market Leap and how, you know, how successful you guys have been, um, talk about domain names specifically and how important those are for firms, um, you know, using your products and services and how they should be covering themselves from your point of view uh, and some of the experiences that you've seen, not only well, from Kaiser, yeah, but some th- of the other clients. Th- th- we've known this, is always, this has been an issue for a long time, but the, you know, companies are really just now waking up to it. I know a lot of people who, in, in this business, when they think about domain names, they think about, you know, how can I use them uh, you know, to build a lot of traffic to a lot of different sites, and, and maybe there's some games being played there in, in, in terms of you know, rolling through a lot of domain names. But from my perspective and from 
enterprise clients' uh, perspective, this is really becoming a big brand issue, uh, a reputation issue when they allow uh, either their competition uh, or their affiliates or uh, or people that just simply don't like them to start buying misspellings of their domain names or, or, or you know uh, and, and other things like that that contain their name to, to pull traffic away from them, uh, take away from their message, take away from their brand, uh, and begin to, begin to control the keyword space that they're around. That's really where it starts is with that domain name, and um, and so we've gotten a lot of these customers, and, and thanks to you with a lot for a lot of your help. Uh, we're getting these customers up to speed on all these practices when it comes to, you know, making sure that you are, consi- you know, out there buying all those names, keeping a hold of them, uh, and 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 understanding all the ICANN processes and the dispute resolution processes and what kind of rights and, and actions they can take to to manage this risk. Right, right, yeah, and that's um, that's actually going to be a, um, a, a great topic that we're going to talk about with uh, Dr. John Berryhill in a little bit. Is um, some of the UDRP proceedings, how one goes about um, uh, filing a UDR complaint, and you know, if there's one uh, piece of advice that we can give uh, that we can give everybody out there, it's uh, definitely spend the money that's necessary to cover yourself on the internet. Don't oh, yeah, don't let anybody else get compared it. Compared to what it'll cost you later on, right? It's a uh, most of the domain names that you will buy for your for your online identity will be one-time purchases you will not want you know you know you were not going to be reselling them it may seem expensive in some cases if somebody else owns it and and they're asking for a premium on some on, on some of those domain names but if you're thinking about being in business long term there's nothing better that you can do than cover yourself um, you know when domain names become famous or when brands become famous and they're not covered watch out you know yep. that that's when it gets really hard and expensive yeah. to, to cover yourself yeah and for all the search engine marketers listening out there this is a great service that you can add to to your you know your package when you're when you're managing relationships with clients and say you know we can help you in this area uh, and and add it on it kind of becomes a great way to diversify your revenue and for the webmasters out there who work in in-house this is a great way to get a feather in your cap if you can take this knowledge this information uh, to to your corporate marketing department and your and your legal staff and say hey you know I know something about this and you guys aren't watching it uh, and it can and certainly help you out in your own personal career path if you're working inside a big enterprise oh, and you know about this. Definitely. And, um, you know, not only the misspellings, but you have all the other uh, ICANN uh, accredited uh, extensions um, that you need to cover yourself in. You know, it's not only .com. It's not only – it is, it is um, you know, mostly a .com world, but uh, we're now starting to see that um, – um, that uh, that people are starting to build their brands on other extensions because their primary brand is not available anymore. Yeah. And so, um, do yourselves a favor. You know, cover yourself in the various extensions that are available. Uh, you know, just out uh, hot off the press today was the announcement that uh, ICANN is uh, one step closer to approving two new extensions, which is .mobi for the mobile um, online mobile uh, domain network. Um, and uh, dot jobs and um, the dot and Moby one seems uh, seems kind of funny, but uh, uh, what happened was that uh, that uh, Microsoft and uh, Nokia and um, and Sun Microsystems all got together and are going to create a registry for the for the Moby extension so that people can start using domains on cell phones and uh, wireless devices. Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, it just it just validates our point that this is this is the foundation product, the domain name, and how important it is to cover yourself both legally and and to cover your brand across various extensions. Yeah, uh, and, to and to move into those new markets like Moby when, when, when the cell phones are going to start attaching to that. And, you know, uh, a lot of people may here may know this, but, you know, again, they, they, it's an important thing is, is articulating it to your client, making sure that they understand it's important that, you know, even though they may not be interested in .mobi or .info or .fm or whatever the extension is, 
uh, they can buy your name dot anything and show up in the search engine results and, and cause you some heartache. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that's a big, big part of the game. And I really see that that area, that part of the space is going gonna, is gonna to grow tremendously this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Or in the next year, 2005. So um, regarding the search engine space, um, uh, why don't you talk about a couple things that uh, people can do from a search engine optimization standpoint with their websites, with these domain names that are really key foundation um, um, you know, areas that people should learn about and uh, definitely cover themselves on, and then maybe talk about where you see the future of your industry and how it's going to relate to... Uh, uh, protecting online brands and identities and, and making sure that, um, you know, companies are successful on the web. Yeah, well, you know, I think it's pretty basic. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to pretend to be anywhere near the expert that you, you are you're in your team. But, uh, you know, from our perspective, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty straightforward. But, you know, you, you've got to get the good names. And, 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 you know, when you can get the relevant keywords in the domain names, even though that some people like to debate whether or not that's going to help you or not, it certainly does help you. And, and um, and so that's that's important. Um, uh, I think that's probably the most important piece of it. I think one of the other important parts of it, of course, is not to get yourself uh, into trouble in this area because you know you can overdo it just like anything. And and uh, I know because I work with uh, Yahoo very closely uh, as a paid inclusion partner uh, that they watch the domain names uh, carefully and what you're doing with them and. And, you know, we've all seen people who have a different domain name for almost every page they have in their website because they think this is, they have all these different domain names and they can link them together. That's going to work. But, you know, our, our, our strategy has always been, you know, you know, protect the domain. That's, that's really the main thing. If you protect that domain, that domain name and, and all the misspellings around it, you will drive an incredible amount more traffic to your site. Uh, let alone protect yourself from, uh, you know, having your message diluted by others. Oh, that's... And uh, so, so that's, that's the main issue. And again, you know, back to the protection, which we said before, I think this is going to be a big area in the future. You want to do it for your own websites, uh, but you really want to make sure your, your, your clients understand these issues, how to use robot.txt uh, to keep your domains from being overcrawled uh, uh, and issues like that, keeping yourself from from having mirrored content in the search engines because, you know, you can really take advantage of these domain names and, and, uh, and to, to make sure you are getting a lot of great quality traffic. But if, you, if you're not careful about what you're doing or, or leveraging the experts or, or studying up, uh, you, you know, for your client, uh, you can get them into hot water and they're going to want to know why you don't know about this space. Definitely. Definitely. So you know, it's you know, just like you know, basic search engine optimization, basic domain name management is is it's 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 about mastering the basic fundamentals of, of staying on top of this stuff. And if you if you're doing that, and you, you know, you've got pros, you know, like Moniker.com, who are, as a partner who are backing you up on this stuff, it's it can let you sleep at night just like a good accountant or a good lawyer, and and you're making money on it at the same time. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, that's one of the things we emphasize with our clients is. Uh, is to definitely protect that identity, uh, keep it safe, keep it secure. There's a uh, there's a lot of domain theft uh, going on out there right now too, especially even with the new uh, the new ICANN policy uh, um, that they've just introduced. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Um, and since uh, Market Leap was uh, was acquired by Digital Impact, how has that affected your uh, your business? And what what products, what additional products and services now do you have to offer to to to, to your clients as a result of that merger? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been an explosive growth. We've 
we hit the ground doing about 300 miles an hour back in July. We merged with uh, Digital Impact, and you know they're a Silicon Valley-based company as well, and so they have a similar culture to ours. Much bigger company, not a huge company, but now we're you know we markedly grew from 10 employees, and now we're 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 at 300 with this whole company. Wow. Uh, uh, Digital Impact is, is is the leading provider of email marketing services to to global 2,000 clients in the world. These, they're sending uh, uh, on average two million email messages per hour. Wow! Um, yeah, that's huge. It, it's it's very huge, uh, and so that's what that's done is uh, is opened up uh, for us for the Market Leap team. Uh, uh, and for Digital Impact, a great be able to bring search engine marketing to all these great clients that they already have. But you know, our vision is is more of you know integrating digital marketing, um, and and there's all kinds of great channels out there for acquiring uh, uh, new leads online. But search and email together work incredibly, especially when they're coordinated. And we're not talking about just putting a search engine marketing proposal and an email marketing proposal in the same document and calling it integrated digital marketing. We're talking about campaigns that are tied together. And one of the areas where this is, uh, has the biggest impact is in the B2B space. Because, you know, most of the B2B sites are not trying to close a, a, a financial transaction on their website because a lot of times the sales are very complex and involved um, and, and um, really require the beginning of a dialogue when somebody's right. doing research about a big... Supply uh, information to, to help further the relationship right. and, and then and get so the business. So you can take search to bring those people into your site and then give them opportunities to opt in to be contacted. I mean, it sounds very basic, but when you tie this stuff together... Uh, with email, then, you know, a lot of times, you know, you ask somebody, you know, would you like to take a chance of trying to close somebody on one sale on your website, or do you want their email address and be given the opportunity to follow up with them many times? Right, right. And, and so when we can tie those campaigns together, and then we tie our analytics and tracking together, so, you know, all the tracer tags and redirect servers we're using are all on a common platform, we can see the patterns uh, between search and email and how they affect each other, and we can do you know, frequency analysis and, and just measure all that stuff to really fine-tune a uh, complete online marketing uh, uh, program uh, and, and to really uh, just acquire customers in the most efficient way you can. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I can tell you what, um, um, your tools at uh, MarketLeap are uh, uh, pretty fantastic. Um, um, it, lot, lot, some of you may know, but we're going to be integrating um, a UVP product and utilizing your um, your feeds for uh, link relevancy and um, uh, link popularity and uh, some of the relative tools. Tell us a little bit about those tools and why they become so popular, um, besides being free, but, but some of the relevant information they provide, because we're going to put that stuff on our site and create a nice, cool product that, uh, Jay, are you still on board? Yep. Okay, so uh, maybe Jay, um, uh, after um, Noel um, um, talks a little bit about that, how, w- why we, we feel that these tools are important to help, uh, um, you know, build, this is the initial stages of registering a domain name, so um, these tools are going to help people understand if the domain name existed before, how it's valuable, and uh, and some of those things. So yep. tell us a little bit about those tools. Yeah, so we've got three major tools that we, we put up on our site years ago. Uh, we've, of course, updated them over the years. Uh, it was a way of you know giving back to the search engine marketing community, and at the same time, sort of beginning our analysis of how important links really are. And 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 we we built the first tool, the link popularity tool, uh, really as a reaction to Google uh, hitting the scene uh, way back when, uh, and when everybody was talking about how important links were now going to become. So we thought, well, you know, what, let's start tracking this stuff so that we can really see the relationship and start analyzing links and so that we can, you know, uh, impact our own campaigns with that knowledge. 
Uh, and so now today we've actually got three major tools up there for free that are extensions of, uh, of tools that we use uh, internally for our clients. The link popularity check that you know, does the same check that you can do manually but does it across all the major search engines instantly. We store every single query uh, and result that somebody comes to our site and puts a domain name in so that even if you haven't checked on your name or anytime you check on a name, uh, you, you will store a history or a trend uh, of that link popularity for that domain name. That's very, that's so very cool. Through. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that, 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 that's very cool. <laughs> very cool information. You know, very cool uh, uh, data that you can get uh, when, you're, when you're registering a domain name. Yeah, and then, of course, the other one that's popular uh, that, that you guys are probably going to use is the search engine saturation tool, which is uh, simply checking uh, for any website how many pages does that uh, website have in the search engine index. And this is just a quick easy way to uh, uh, to do this. And you can run it manually to every search engine or you can come to our site where we do this thousands of times a day and just give you the result really quickly uh, for free. We don't ask for email address. We don't show you any advertisements. Uh, and you can pull those reports and go show them to your own clients if you want. Yeah, that's great. We're, we're real excited to bring that on board. Uh, Jay, what, um, it, why don't you talk about uh, how that's important from your aspect uh, and why we're building this uh, this UVP product. For, for those of that, for those well, you don't know... Is it- is a term that I coined that means unique value proposition. And websites do very well when they come up with something like Market Leap has come up with three different UVPs or unique value propositions. So it's something free that users will come back to the website for again and again. And it builds a brand name in the marketplace that people will refer people virally and say, go check out these tools at Market Leap. And it builds their fame and builds their internet traffic. So for Moniker, we're building what we call UVP, or Unique Value Proposition. And what it's going to do is when customers search for a domain name, we're going to give them a bunch of information about that domain name, whether it exists or whether it's a prospective domain the customer might want to register. So we're going to tell them the kind of traffic that either that domain name already gets, if it's existing, or the type of traffic we predict for it. We're going to tell them the value of the name, the value of the brand, and we're going to tell them in future what that domain name might might be worth for resale based on all the, the traffic analysis that we've done. Yep. Yeah, that's going to it's going to be a great um, it's going to be a great uh, uh, offering that we're going to have and uh, um, you know, we really thank you Noel for uh, for letting us uh, provide those tools on our site. Some people yeah. are, are emailing in I mean uh, ch- in the chat room asking where they get those tools today. They can go to marketleap.com and uh, you can get those uh, tools uh, right off of their website. And uh, we're going to integrate those tools plus a couple other um, cool, uh, you know, tools uh, added to that product to come up with this UVP that we're going to offer for free to everybody that comes to our site as well. So Yeah. Yeah, the link popularity data and the search engine saturation data, of course, are just two data points in that whole process. But they do help a lot, and a lot of people refer to them to say, you know, well, you know, what's the history of this domain name? And I've even seen domain names for sale uh, on different websites. Uh, one place I ran into at eBay. and. Where some, I was just doing a, ch- a search on my own website and uh, found these guys using our ranking tool to, to place a value uh, on a domain name. So it's, it's certainly important. But you know, it, it, what you guys are doing, combining it with all these other different variables to get a full picture on, on what the history of a domain name is, if there's any problems with it, or you know, is it more valuable than another one? And when you're making that decision, this can you know, really help make sure you've got an informed decision yeah, definitely. when you make those purchases. Well, we're real excited to have it on board. Um, so, 
Uh, with that said, I think uh, we're uh, and, and uh, we really appreciate the time that you've taken uh, to uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Market Leap and digital impact and really helping people understand what's going on in the search market, uh, Noel. So I, I really thank you for uh, taking the time. I'd love to, love to have you on the show again in the future if uh, that's well, okay. I appreciate it. And uh, I understand you want to stay on board because of our next uh, our next guest, uh, Dr. John Berryhill, and um, uh, he's going to be on in a couple minutes. So we're going to take a commercial break right now and. Uh, uh, give some uh, accolades to our uh, sponsors. Thanks. Hold on. Thank you. Merchants offer your customers a billing solution with zero chargeback risk. Introducing DuoCash. DuoCash. And the revolutionary card that's just like using cash on the net. No credit card or bank account required. DuoCash is available wherever prepaid calling cards are sold or online at DuoCash.com. So ensure your customer's online experience anywhere they see PayByCash.com or DuoCash. And don't leave money on the table. Sign up with DuoCash, the official prepaid shopping card of the internet. DuoCash. More and more women are experiencing amazing pleasures, enjoying playful chocolates from PlayfulCash.com. All natural gourmet Colombian treats that are simply sinful. As a PlayfulCash.com affiliate, you'll enjoy weekly payouts up to 50% on all sales of these trademark and patented products. Multiple payout options, 5% referral fees, and private labeling available. Isn't life sweet when playful is highly profitable? For more money-making info, visit PlayfulCash.com today. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. More than a name. Commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, welcome back to Domain Masters. Uh, uh, who do we have on the air? Hello, Monty Con. It's your family calling to congratulate you. Oh, thank you You're very much, You're doing a great family. job. Thanks, honey. You'll be the next Rush Limba. Uh, Limba? <laughs> Limba. Well, thank. Anyways, thank I don't want to take too much of your time. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. We're all listening. All right, to give tell, tell give Max and Josie a kiss for me. I will. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, uh, that was a great uh, that was a great little surprise. I appreciate uh, Dana calling. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break right now, and then uh, we'll be back on with uh, Dr. John Berryhill. Hold on one second. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a co-branded search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. Add at your command. GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our co-branded referral program. Genie knows how to deliver results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. Sponsor of the Webmaster World. Over 4,000 clients around the world are utilizing effective content based solutions from InfoSearch Media with the expertise of over 200 professional copywriters to work for you. Studies show that the number one factor visitors consider before making a purchase online is trust. And nothing creates more trust and loyalty than well written, informative content. High quality content also generates free search engine traffic. Content is definitely king. Visit InfoSearch. Media.com today. 
commercials off. Now back to Domain Masters. Hello, welcome back to Domain Masters. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's uh, now really getting involved in the chin uh, in the lounge, uh, and uh, uh, appreciate all the feedback. We're going to get to some questions as well if, uh, at the end of the show. Um, it is my pleasure to uh, introduce um, uh, Dr. John Berryhill. Uh, John uh, uh, represents a number of uh, clients uh, uh, who own domain names, a lot of our clients that own domain names. Uh, I've had a relationship uh, with him for uh, several years now, and uh, he has written uh, uh, an article in our, our newsletter and is one of the foremost uh, authorities in domain law, intellectual property law, and uh, there's so much going on in, in domain name law right now and some of the new policies with ICANN and UDRP and WIPO claims. Uh, we're hopefully going to dive into some of that stuff uh, right here on the show. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rush. I've been a fan of yours for years. <laughs> How'd you know I was a Republican? <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard you started making some money, Monty. <laughs> yeah, but it all goes to my lovely wife. But, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't realize that uh, when, when you invited me to be on the show, I thought I was going to Florida. And um, <laughs> well, you just came from Florida. I, you, we had uh, we had a nice uh, first introduction with each other after after corresponding by email and telephone for for so many years. We finally got to meet each other in per- person at traffic uh, uh, back in uh, in Boynton Beach uh, just uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, and Monty, Ma- you're, you're one of the few people who actually looks more handsome than you do in email. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you're uh, you're quite a quite a great speaker, and uh, I thought it would be great to have you on the show. And and I really wanted to to you know get out some of the really important things that you want to talk about um, on what's going on currently in domain law and some of the areas that you think you can provide a lot of good input for those uh, those of us who own domain names, have been involved in uh, people taking our domain names, and, and also on the other side, people uh, who've been involved with corporations saying that they own the rights to a particular domain name that one registered uh, legitimately or, or not, not uh, legally. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's 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 a you know it's it's almost an obsessive topic with a lot of domain owners uh, up to a certain point. Um, you know, there have been uh, there is an ICANN policy, an administrative policy called the Uniform Domain Dispute Resolution Policy that's imposed on all domain registration contracts in .com, .net, and .org, and some of the the country code t- TLDs, the two letter TLDs. Um, that uh, is a is a streamlined process that was designed for you know clear cut cases of of abusive uh, registration. Uh, people would register famous trademarks and uh, then try to extort uh, companies for money. Right. This um, is back. This is back in the in the in good old days before uh, trademark law made its way onto onto the internet side. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it, it was. Uh, in the, in the, of course, in the very early days, uh, big companies didn't know what this Internet thing was. One of the earliest situations was uh, one of the video jockeys from, from MTV um, heard about this Internet thing, and he, he got permission from MTV to register MTV.com and, and uh, ran off with it. It wasn't until you know, a few years later that uh, their parent company uh, decided that they wanted an internet presence, and you know, found that this uh, this person was 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 sitting there, and that was probably one of the original uh, domain name disputes. Um, the the thing is, though, that uh, you know, there are there are thirty five. You know, I, I'm probably going to date myself because it changes every quarter. There are around forty million uh, domain names registered in .com, 
And over the course of the last four years, there have been in the neighborhood of about 7,500 to 8,000 domain disputes. Right. Which, you know, really, that's really not too many compared to the amount of domain names uh, registered, huh? Small subfraction of a percent. Yeah. Uh, But the difficulty is that. you know, the, someone had said, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, what are domain names worth? And uh, it's a lot like real estate. And, you know, one of the principles of this world is that if you have something valuable and someone else wants it and they feel frustrated in their efforts to get it, um, they're, going to, uh, they're going to try whatever way they can. And uh, I, I've, I've almost gotten to the point where I believe people will say anything uh, to get a domain name. Uh, you know, that's not to say that, that you know, there are a lot of, of legitimate uh, trademark owners uh, with, uh, with legitimate cases, but uh, the difficulty is that, that uh, you know, some domains have, you know, tremendous value. There have been domain names that have sold for, for millions of dollars, and, and Monty, you could probably rattle off the inventory on that end. Yeah, we're involved in a couple of them. <laughs> um, so uh, you know the 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 cost of uh, uh, the cost of entry to register a domain name is is a very small amount. That's what makes this area very interesting. Is is there are very few arenas in life where somebody with twenty dollars in their pocket can um, can hold the, the the key to the next product or the next service or the next big thing. Um, you know that a large company wants to do, and uh, if you if you happen to have that, uh, random chance can come along. And uh, and make that domain suddenly very valuable. Right. Um, you know, then there are domains that are inherently valuable. But uh, you know, the, among people who develop uh, large portfolios of domain names, um, you get to a certain point where you know you're no longer the individual with twenty dollars in your pocket, and and uh, these things are not an emotional issue. It's not some conspiracy of big companies against little guys. It's just the cost of doing business. If you run a a supermarket every now and then someone trips and falls and and there's a certain amount of legal risk that that you have to manage in a rational way. Right. Right. A, a, now we get a ton of questions, you know, when we're in the office. Um uh, obviously uh, we have a lot of uh of domains registered at our registrar and people call up and say, "Hey, my name was hijacked. Uh, I own the legal rights to this domain name." Walk us through the three things that, um, and, and a lot of people don't know what really happens in a UDRP and a WIPO claim. Walk us through the three most important things that one has to prove uh, in order to get that domain name back from someone. Yeah. Well, the, the, the definition, and, and there are a lot of definitions of, of this thing called cyber squatting. Uh, some people behave as if a cyber squatter is the guy that has the domain name you want. But, but technically, uh, there are uh, three things that, uh, that, that someone would have to prove to uh, obtain a domain name through the dispute process. Um, the first hurdle is uh, that the domain name is identical or confusingly similar to a trademark in which the complainant has rights. Um, there have been uh, cases involving things like Coca-Cola, and everyone knows that. Um, there are, uh, you know, those are famous trademarks. Um, there are run-of-the-mill registered uh, trademarks that come in a variety of flavors. And um, then there are just uh, names that people have used in business for a long time. Maybe they haven't gotten federal rights to it, uh, but they have some sort of a right in the name um, based on, on consumer recognition of that name. And that's, that's the first hurdle. Um, the second hurdle for the complainant is to 
demonstrate that the domain registrant has no legitimate rights or interests in the domain name. And uh, in some of the early cases, people would argue, well, I, you know, I paid to register the name. I got rights. Right, right. Uh, you know, it has to be something a little bit more than that. Well, what, um, give us an example of what, what one would have to display to, to, to prove that particular point, because that's the big gray area a lot of people think that they have. Yeah. Well, one of them is, is that, you know, it's your name or a name that, you, that you've been using in business or that you're commonly known by. Uh, my favorite case on that, on that line is a, a gentleman in Canada, Mr. A.R. Mani, M-A-N-I. Uh, wow, what a great name. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to name my kids Kodak and Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided I'm legally changing my name to Xerox. But, uh, yeah, his name is Armani, and, uh, and the dispute ended there. Uh, he produced uh, his driver's license and his birth certificate, and uh, and that was uh, that's the easy that's the easy one, um, or that you have been uh, online selling a legitimate product. For example, you might have a domain name that uses the word shell in it, and um, you know if you have a website up and you're selling seashells, um, that's a perfectly fine use of the word shell. Right. Uh, if you're if you're you know refining and, and shipping oil, uh, then then you're going to have a problem. Um, you know some trademarks are like that. Uh, <laughs> or Delta, if you live at the base of a river, is a perfectly good name to use. But uh, I wouldn't recommend that you you start an airline by that name or or, or sell faucets. So having a legitimate interest uh, in operating a bona fide business under that name or uh, having being able to demonstrate that you have you know plans to use the domain name based on you know your your shell collecting hobby because sometimes now and particularly with the uh, with the interest in in expired domain names um, the, the the truism of domain names is all the good ones are taken but every now and then you know people for whatever reason will abandon or not pay their renewal fee and a good name will become available. Gosh, that kind of happens almost every day, doesn't it? <laughs> Thousands of times a day. Yeah, uh, about uh, twenty to thirty. Afternoon. Yeah, twenty to thirty thousand domain names drop every single day. Yeah, it, it's actually that's when I that's when I take lunch because I know none of my clients will call me. <laughs> but uh, um, the uh, the point is, there's generally a lot of people watching that name. And uh, trademark owners who, for, for one reason or another, didn't feel they had a strong enough claim to take the name will become very frustrated when the name gets re-registered by someone else, and they will pounce immediately. Um, so it's important to uh, you know, get your website up and running or, or, or to have documentation on hand of what you were planning on doing with that domain name or being able to show that that domain name fits into a, a business plan you know, that you had. Um, so, legitimate rights and interests doesn't mean you need a trademark, but just you know that you've got some reason, some some foothold on on that name, some reason for using the domain name that, that doesn't you know infringe on the trademark. Right now, here's an area uh, before we get to the third point is um, that I would like you to touch base a little bit closer on because um, we do have a lot of clients that have PPC pages fired up on domain names that they acquire, and they they pop up relevant uh, linguistic uh, related domain search. Uh, mm-hmm. type uh, linguistic uh, feeds, and their business is legitimate because they're making money from domains that are parked on these pages and popping up links. And um, big corporations um, that see competitive links on those sites are causing rifts and, and saying, hey, there's no right for them to do that. And then you have the other side, which are, are the former owners of the domain names um, that say that, how is that a legitimate right when you've taken my name that I've made famous and now all of a sudden you're monetizing it on a, on a parking page? How do you yeah. navigate through that legally, and what really is the is the is the rules and engagement when you're dealing with a UD, UDRP case uh, or WIPO? 
Yeah, they, you know, they, they can break a, a, a couple of different ways, and, I, and I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you some examples. Uh, there was a, um, a dispute over the domain name uh, Snowboards for Sale, and uh, someone had a business, Snowboards for Sale, and uh, that was actually the name of their company. And uh, from, from a trademark perspective, that's, that's really not something you want to name your company if you sell snowboards. Um, because what happened was that when, when uh, they had uh, lost control of their domain name, and it was picked up by someone who you know, had no idea that this company didn't abandon it for, for other reasons. And there were pay-per-click links there to um, you know, snowboards uh, for sale. And uh, you, know, you couldn't think of a more uh, straightforward and legitimate use for uh, a domain name like snowboards for sale. Now, with things that aren't, aren't uh, you know, don't break down into simple words like that, uh, it, it can get more complicated. There was, and, and I didn't know this at the time, uh, but uh, the, the domain name pwc.com, uh, that's uh, Papa Whiskey Charlie, um, dot com, um, was registered by someone who had a, uh, a PPC page that was uh, going to personal watercraft. And uh, I'm 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 not much of an aquatic person, uh, but I did I did learn very quickly that uh, these things are, are generically known as PWCs. Um, and uh, Price Waterhouse Coopers apparently uh, believed that they had uh, trademark rights in the in the acronym PWC. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't really know much about them either. <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, yeah, some people say, oh, my goodness, well, how could you have PWC? And, you know, the first thing I learned was that it was the, the generic abbreviation for personal watercraft. Right, and, and they only uh, became having those initials by uh, Price Waterhouse merging with Coopers. <laughs> that's the, that's <laughs> yeah. the ironic thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, you know, th- that, was a, uh, that was a legitimate use of PWC, using it for personal watercraft. Now, you know, had there been, uh, been links to other accounting firms, firms, um, you know, that would, that would not have been legitimate. And there have been cases where, you know, people have registered a domain name and sort of left them parked and, 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 and you know, let other people pick the links. And there was a, a, a case, Flamingo.com, the, the pink bird that you have down there, uh, where it's warm. <laughs> well, not, not tonight. It's about uh, 48 degrees, believe it or not, in South Florida, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. Well, and it's a you know, pink bird or a yard ornament. And uh, what happened was the, uh, the Hilton Hotel chain owns the Flamingo Hotel Casino in Las Vegas. And uh, at the time that they dropped in on the page, the page was showing links to uh, hotels and casinos you know, other than the Hilton chain. All right. And um, recently, and, and it, you know, it's a process of education. These, the, the people who decide these disputes don't have their nose in the Internet. Uh, you know, they're, they're fairly run-of-the-mill retired judges and, and traditional trademark lawyers who don't know how this operates. And it's been sort of an educational thing for them to realize that, well, you know, the, there have been a few cases recently that said that if the domain name registrant goes out and registers a common word like flamingo and then parks it, uh, he's not necessarily responsible, you know, for the links on the page. Um, but again, depending upon how well known the mark is, how what the strength of the mark is, and you know what other sorts of atmospheric factors are at hand, and we'll get to those under number three. Right. Um, you know that that can make the, that can make the difference. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, let's move right into into point three because uh, that's the that's the last point of what one has to prove, and then then what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about um, um, if you still have the time uh, the new changes in the ICANN transfer out policy and how that's uh, impacted your your business these days. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the third point 
Um, you know, the first point is that you have to have a trademark. The second point is you have to have no rights whatsoever in the domain name. And the third point that the complainant has to prove is that the domain name was, and, and this is the most mysterious one, registered and used in bad faith. And there are a couple examples in the policy itself of the, of the kinds of things that uh, it, it might constitute this bad faith. What it boils down to is, is, is there, there, there's something about what you did that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> and that can be a, a, a pretty broad catch-all. Uh, one of what would be, uh, you know, selling competitive products directly. Uh, I register a brand name of some product, and I start selling knockoffs. That's, that's an easy case. Right, the second right. is I've gone out and I've registered you know, every variation of possible of this, uh, of this famous trademark, and uh, I approached the uh, trademark holder and said, you know, if you want to get on the Internet, it's going to cost you $100,000. Um, that that sort of extortive approach, right, and right. this leads to kind of a cat and mouse game between trademark attorneys contacting domain registrants saying, "Would you be interested in selling a domain name?" Well, you know, maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. I mean, when I'm walking down the street, you know, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that my trousers are for sale. But if someone came up to me with a five thousand dollar bill, I'd think about it. Yeah, you do. Um, Good thing you uh, you wear underwear. So yeah, well, you don't know that, Monty. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but the, but the point is, uh, you know, anything is for sale, and I think you know most most reasonable people know that. Um, so trademark attorneys will sometimes entrap people into to trying to sell the domain name if they can. If if they can make that out, um, you know, and the other kinds of, of things that could constitute bad faith are, you know, failure to maintain proper who is information, right? Uh, pointing the domain name at, at, at something odious, uh, if if it's adult material uh, and, and a relatively well-known trademark. Um, you, you could have a hard time, although there have been a, a number of cases that were based on uh, women's names, you know, things like the Cologne Charlie or something like that, where, uh, you know, it's just a woman's name, and my, my goodness, there she is in all her glory. Right. Um, right. Or, or, uh, even, or even um, uh, domain names that, um, uh, well, that, like you're saying, they have double meanings, and so uh, that's where you get kind of in another gray area where, you know, it does actually mean something that um, might be... Uh, something that the company doesn't want it to mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, there have been, a, have been a couple of those. I, 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 don't, I don't know what the, what, what the rules of this radio uh, broadcast are, so I won't go into detail. Um, you know, and then there are, then there are cases where, where there, there truly are, there's about 200 different panelists uh, that are in a pool of, of people who decide these cases, and there are issues on which they, they have legitimate you know differences of opinion and how to approach certain types of cases. I might go to a, 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 a you know the the Brandex uh, hardware store buy a hammer. I don't like the hammer, uh, so I might put up a web page brandexhammersuck dot uh, com and uh, talk about my experiences with with Brandex hammers, which is part of your freedom of speech. Uh, one might say, and uh, may be protected by the law. And, and, and that's where most of the panelists will come out if the domain name clearly indicates that kind of disassociation from the mark. But if, if you know, I had registered brandx.com and complained about them, uh, you get about a 50-50 split uh, of opinion. Because some people say, well, you, you're, you're, you're free to speak. Uh, but what your speech constitutes, your speech is the content of the web page. Now, you could go put that same content at, I don't like brand X. You don't have to put it at, 
at Brand X, and and they'll they'll look at a sort of a um, you know a a necessity in using the domain name itself where it just constitutes the name of the company. But there have been a, a number of favorable court cases um, you know, on that subject of, of using the, the name of the company itself uh, for a criticism page. Now, um, there have been people who've gone out and registered you know, quite a large number of company names and then come back with, you know, well, I don't like them. Um, one of the factors is going to be credibility here, that uh, you know, if you're someone who has a, a legitimate gripe, um, you know, you're exercising your freedom of speech. If uh, you're, you're sort of saying <laughs> to the company, well, I don't like you and I'm going to put up a web page that's critical of you unless you give me $10,000 for the domain name, then it starts to sound a little bit like a protection racket. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, some people will look at these cases and they'll say, well, the panelists are all over the map. But a lot of times there's a story going on. And, of course, in these proceedings, the actual submissions of the parties are not accessible. So the panelists tend to write self-justifying um, uh, uh, decisions. Um, but there's typically some things that have gone on that the panelists don't necessarily want to talk about that have influenced uh, their opinion in these things. Right. So, so a lot of the luck of the draw, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of uh, uh, proving one side and, and those that come together with a good case on their hands on why they have the rights to own the name have somewhat of a shot of keeping the domain name, but it really relies on the panel. If somebody wants to prove a point on the panel uh, or doesn't side with that, that could change the game and set a precedence for those that file in the future, correct? That's right, yeah. And with, uh, you know, the, there are many more UDRP decisions than they are trademarks, so it's a, a sort of a little body of law that's developed on its own. And um, it's very rare that you, you have an actual, you know, an absolutely unique fact pattern and, and knowing how to navigate all the prior cases to find the ones that are most similar to yours and to say, well, you know, my situation is very much like this previous situation uh, goes a long way. Right, right. The um, the one thing I give uh, I give a lot of advice on, and uh, my staff does as well, is um, if someone does really feel that they own the rights to a domain name, um, even if it's it's close to an online brand or identity that's famous, even if it's trademarked, by not defending it, um, you you know, if you're not defending the case at all, um, most likely ninety nine percent of the time the, the the decision goes against you. Then it's documented as a precedence for future cases, and so. If you really feel strong about your rights to a domain name, don't don't let it. My my advice is that you don't let it go. If you really feel that you have a right to it, make sure that you fight it and uh, that that you do fight for your rights. Because if a panel decision is made, it goes in the precedence, uh, you know, library, and then it's brought up in for future cases and can affect all domain owners, right? And and you'll be branded, and that's why you know I, I talk about bad faith sort of being an atmospheric thing. Uh, if you've lost ten cases in a row. And you come back trying to demonstrate your legitimate rights. They're going um, to slap you. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't. You don't look like the cleanest guy in the block. Now, you know you can't with 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 the. You know, there's there's two million U.S. registered trademarks. You know, there's millions more common law trademarks. There's foreign trademarks. You, there's no place to go on the internet to find out whether something's a trademark before you register a domain name or not. You know, I, I tell people the best the best trademark search engine is Google. If you type in a uh, you know you type in a term in Google and you get three pages of results and they all refer to the same party on the on the on those first three pages, hmm, there's a very strong association between that term and that party. that's probably worth investigating a little further. Right now, they can also go to the USPTO.gov site um, and at least 
see what's been filed and what's yep. dead and alive, correct? Yep. Yep, you can see what's coming down the pike, and, and uh, the, 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 only, the only caution I guess sometimes people will come to me and say, oh, well, I looked on the USPTO website, and, it, and, and I, I found a trademark. There's lots of things in that database. Um, there are registered trademarks on the principal register, which are the, the gold standard uh, for, for U.S. registered trademarks. There's also a supplemental register, which is terms that were descriptive, but you know they, they, they have to spend about five years in purgatory before they can reapply to become principally registered trademarks. But all of the abandoned and pending and rejected applications are in there as well. So just because you get a hit doesn't necessarily mean uh, there's a trademark. But you might register a domain name. You might not. You know, you might think it's uh, you know good for. You know, some kinds of, of goods and services. You hook up your PPC page. Along comes someone with a trademark claim that you've never heard of, and you 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 look at it, and you know, by golly, you know they they may have rights. Um, you know what what some people will do is then they they'll just sort of freeze up, and then they'll get branded as a cyber squatter. Um, you know, trademark attorneys uh, are not generally emotionally invested in these things. Uh, you, you can pick up the phone, you can call the attorney, and uh, you can say, you know, hey, you know, I, I you know, my bad, I didn't uh, didn't mean to harm anybody here. And uh, I'll tell you what I'll do: uh, we can we can end the proceeding, we can transfer the domain name, uh, you know, as long as you promise that you're not going to bring any any further legal action. And uh, you know, most most attorneys, uh, it's a pretty good deal. They can get their client what they want sooner, and uh, you know, you avoid uh, you avoid falling into the uh, the 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 pit of cyber squatters. You know, right, right. even though you may have genuinely done nothing wrong, uh, it, it's just a matter of uh, you know, sometimes you you can uh, you can make a case, and sometimes you know, it's just it's just a difficult argument. Uh, you know, or you'd rather spend your time and resources, you know, doing something else and de- de- defending other good names. That you have because that that decision against you, uh, you know, can weaken your uh, you can weaken you if uh, you know someone wants to, to, to bring a a uh, a less well brought claim against one of your more defensible domain names. Right, right, and um, a lot of people ask on a, uh, ask us anyway is that what if my registration, my creation date is prior to a filed trademark? So I've gone out and established a, a, what's called a common law trademark by. By thinking of an idea, establishing a brand online, or maybe the brand hasn't been developed yet, but I've registered, I thought, I thought ahead of time, years in mm-hmm. advance, then all of a sudden a company comes, files the trademark, which I didn't do at the time for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but I actually registered the name first. How, what are the best, what's the best advice there on, on I mean, is that, is that an automatic win or you still can lose that domain name if, uh, if it's filed? You, you still, you still can lose it. What, what matters is, and, and, um, you know, people will often talk about going to the USPTO and trademarking a word. Uh, registration of a trademark is, is a recognition of rights that, that the trademark applicant has already obtained. Uh, there, there's a filing date, there's a registration date, and there's a first use in commerce date. And, and all these dates, um, you know, have different legal effects in a trademark proceeding. Um, but what you will want to look at um, in a situation where you had registered the domain name and you see that the trademark filing date is uh, later than your tra- your domain registration date, you'll want to look at the first use in commerce date. You'll want to figure out, you know, well, how strong were their rights, you know, prior to registration? Because then at that point, the trademark registration itself is not the issue, and, and you're really dealing with what were their common law rights 
uh, at the time you registered the domain name? Were they in a different geographic area? Were they in a different market? Did they, you know, were they targeting different consumers? Um, you know, those sorts of things will, will come into play. Uh, for example, um, there was a, a case involving uh, the, the, uh, the domain name WFUMBC.com. Wow, what did that stand for? <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the, the domain registrant said it was the web forum for, actually it was WFUBMC. It was the web forum for unaffiliated business management consultants. And he claimed that he ran a, a business consulting uh, operation using his web forum for unaffiliated business management consultants. The, the problem here was that the guy lived uh, five miles down the road from the Wake Forest University Baptist Medical Center. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, with, with two-letter domain names or three-letter domain names, there's, there, there, there's a limited number of them out there. Right, but when you get an acronym that's uh, six, seven letters long, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it was. It was. It was he, you know, he claimed that. Uh, yeah, he claimed he'd never heard of the the you know the largest employer in his area in the, in the Winston Salem area. Uh, it, it, it didn't. It didn't really work very well for him. Um, so uh, that that's that. You know, whether or not a trademark is registered, uh, you know, may not be as important as as factors like that. Right. 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 Well, that's great uh, to, to understand those three points and a little bit more about the, that aspect of the law. Um, instead of uh, me leading you into the next question, what you did want to talk about one or two other items that are that that have come up, uh, I guess, uh, most recently. And so I wanted to turn that over to you and, uh, and see if there's something that uh, of importance and valuable to the to the listening uh, audience. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the I guess the most important thing I would say to domain registrants, you know, this month, uh, the big red flashing alert. Is the uh, the ICANN transfer policy? Oh yeah, gosh, I've gotten tons and tons. Of, we've gotten tons of calls and emails, and uh, try to keep people at ease about that. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, the, the problem is that, that there was a genuine problem sought to be solved, which was that um, there there used to be a single registrar, and they were you know a monopoly business, and and one of the objectives of ICANN was to to introduce competition into the domain registrar market. Thank God. And when you're the only registrar who's been around for a number of years and you have the lion's share, you want to retain your customers. Well, people who had their domain names registered at this registrar wanted to, uh, wanted to move away to, to some of the more innovative uh, registrars that had better management interfaces, uh, tended not to have as many database problems that would lose domain names. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, they, they wanted to transfer their domain names. And uh, some registrars were throwing up you know, impossible barriers uh, to getting your domain name away from them. You'd have to fill out a form. You'd have to fax it in with your driver's license. There was uh, a registrar in Australia that required a, a certified letter to be sent with a notarized affidavit, and it had to be sent registered mail, uh, and it had to be received within a certain time period of your request to transfer the domain name. And of course, the, the way things we, we can out, mention that I'll, I'll be the one to mention that name. It's uh, called Total Nick. Uh, they they <laughs> yeah. have been a very, very royal pain uh, for domainers. Uh, if you have your names registered there, get them out. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, you know, yeah, you can say that. I can. Uh, <laughs> it was. I mean, but it was. Yeah, t- and I am talking about Total Nick. I mean, their policies were were, were really. I, I would sit at my desk. I would. People would call me. And, uh, you know, the only, you'd be married to them for life. You know, it, it was just, it was just a no-divorce proposition. Because their rules functionally made it impossible. 
Um, so, uh, Plus, it was a bad long-distance relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you, if, if, unless you lived in Australia, that is. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I mean, got to say there probably aren't too many people that, 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 that send their ex-wife uh, only $35 a year, but um, <laughs> the, it's still a lot of money if you have a, quite a few domain names and you can get them you know, much more inexpensively and, and better managed elsewhere. Uh, I'm sure you have some recommendations. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this was a, a, a real, real sticking point, was that the registrars weren't letting them go. So what ICANN decided to do was they severely limited the circumstances under which a losing registrar could deny a transfer request. And, you know, the, the fundamental problem here is that the, the existing registrar is the one that has the business relationship with the customer. They know who their customer is. They have their customer's credit card number, whereas an imposter can show up at another registrar and say, you know, I'm that person. Send me the domain name. Right. And um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they really swung the, the teeter-totter, the seesaw, the completely the other direction, um, and in many cases a dangerous direction, in my opinion. And they, they pushed it very hard. Yeah, they pushed uh, it very hard. And, um, the, uh, yeah, there, there are extremely limited circumstances under which a registrar can deny an outbound transfer request. Um, one of those circumstances is if that registrar has a locking mechanism, against transfers, which was activated by the domain registrant, and if that registrar provides access to a mechanism for unlocking its domain names, um, you know, then that registrar can say, well, the name has been locked by the customer. We're not letting it out. Uh, but in the default situation may be something as simple as, you know, if you go away for a week uh, and miss your email, uh, if you have a, a, a spam filter that, that filters out uh, emails that otherwise might be notifying you of a transfer, uh, you know, if your hard drive goes bad, uh, you're, if you're in the hospital for a week, right? Uh, you're, left, you're left open to to this to this policy swinging the completely other way, and uh, and you now have, in some cases, more of a chance of losing your domain name than you did before. Exactly, and yeah. the um, you know the, the the solution to this, and 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 ICANN is a lovely organization because the solution to every problem is to institute a new and more complex policy. <laughs> so they added on top of this a transfer dispute policy. Yeah, that's reasonable. There's, uh, that, that if, a, if, if a transfer is disputed, then uh, you know, the, the proof on either side between the two registrars, the losing registrar and the gaining registrar, is submitted to an independent fact finder who looks at it and decides whether or not the transfer was legitimate. The fatal flaw in the way they did this is that the domain registrants can't invoke this policy. Only the domain registrars uh, can file a transfer dispute. Right, so the, so the registrant, the owner of the domain name, is, is left out of the process. Absolutely. Which is, which is completely bizarre because it's their... It's their domain name. You know, they're the ones who have the legal right to it. Right. And if, and if you are transferring a domain name between one mega, or if you have a, a domain name at one mega corporation registrar, and that domain name gets transferred to another mega corporation registrar, you can go to your initial registrar with whom you had the domain name and said, you know, oh, this thing was transferred away from me and I didn't consent to it. You know, please, will you, will you, you know, commit staff time and resources to get back this $30 contract? They don't care. Yeah. They don't have to. And, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's, 
effectively, I, 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 I'm, I'm itching, I'm chomping at the bit <laughs> to find out how this policy works. Um, but uh, I, I've seen several situations just in the last two or three weeks where I have approached registrars and, and uh, I have said, look, this domain name was fraudulently transferred away. You know, not only will we do all the paperwork, but we will pay you to simply transfer this, uh, to, to simply start this dispute policy. And, and they're not interested. And uh, you know, people have. I've seen people lose a few domain names. I, I really don't know if if, if uh, you know if hijackings are going to to increase dramatically. I haven't seen a tremendous uptick in hijackings, but it, it can be some time before people realize they've lost their domains uh, because sometimes the hijackers will do very clever things. Uh, they'll keep the registrant information the same. They'll keep the name servers the same, and then they'll move it through about three or four registrars. Uh, you know, people's website is working fine, um, right, right. so they don't notice it. And then one day, you know, they're they're looking at uh, you know uh, uh, some website for a fake Nigerian bank holding thirty five million dollars or something. You mean the one I won the lottery to? <laughs> oh, do you, I won the Dutch lottery four times. I know. I told week. my staff today. I've won so many lotteries today. I don't even know why I'm I'm still working. It's because I love my company so much. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> even do business with uh, with 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 uh, Nigerian widows who have less than twenty million dollars anymore. <laughs> I just won't do it. <laughs> yeah, great. Hey, hey, Noel, are you uh, are you still on? I'm here. Yeah, okay, I'm great. Uh, uh, Noel, uh, I know that Noel wanted to stay on for your uh, particular talk because he's uh, he's knee deep in some of these issues. I didn't know if you had a particular question you wanted to ask John. Oh uh, well, we're probably running out of time to go into all of it. But you know, I went to the uh, the trademark session at the SES show. It's always one I like to attend, and and uh, it got pretty hot this time with the lawyers up there and some of the people. You know, have a lot of these issues and domain names came up, but. Uh, one of the questions I had, or well, one, two, two different questions, and we'll just take what you got time for. But one is, you know, what are the statute of limitations in any of these areas, and you know, when I've got time to act. But the second issue, which is totally separate, which there seems to be a lot of confusion with people at the conferences, especially among big brands, and confusing trademark with intellectual property. Um, and that those protections and those laws are, are really kind of separate, and people think they have a right to the name. And, and this really stems out into where Google is profiting off their name when people are doing searches and finding these websites. So I was wondering if you, know, if you guys could speak to that a little bit and so people know that, that, that those are different things. I'll give you, uh, I'll give you uh, the, the, second answer, the, the second question you have uh, can be very deep. Um, but I will give you my, my, my short answer to that. And that is, trademark attorneys have developed strange expectations about how trademarks should work on the Internet. And, and I'll give you an example of that. I, uh, I was looking for uh, a bottle of Excedrin the other day, and uh, I walked into a drugstore, and I said to a clerk, I would like to find some Excedrin. And the clerk said, aisle three. And I walked over to aisle three. And, 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 and what do you think was there on the shelf? Tylenol. Excedrin. Tylenol. Excedrin. Anison. Bayer. They were all there. Excedrin was there, but, but it, it wasn't. I didn't. Aisle three, much to my amazement, even though I asked for Excedrin, aisle three did not consist of a 100-foot-long, 100-foot-high wall of Excedrin. Yep. <laughs> and 
when I'm driving down the road at night and uh, I'm ready to pull over for a drink and I see a neon sign in, in, in the window of a bar that says Budweiser, mm-hmm. I was shocked when I went inside. And I sat down at that bar and they had a tap that had Budweiser, Michelob, Coors. You know, trademarks, just because someone types a trademark into a search engine, if I type in Mercedes, I might be looking for luxury automobiles. Um, and in the real world, if I'm looking for a Mercedes, there'll be other dealers. You know, all the car dealers, I, I think it's amazing. Every town you go to, there's always like that one street that has all the car dealers on it. And there's a reason for that. Because someone who's looking for a Ford, uh, you know, may be interested in a, in a Chrysler. Now, that, there's a difference between using trademarks to distinguish competitive products in a marketplace consisting of many brands and using trademarks as uh, this sort of, of, of lever to, you know, train people that this is the only thing that you will ever see in this line of products. Um, so that's the, the, the short answer. Is that yeah, trademarks attorneys have gotten this idea, but because things can be done on the Internet technically uh, that don't happen in real life, that they should be done. Um, yeah, it's, it's very confusing because, of course, what can happen in the search engines, to take your analogy with the Excedrin, is that what happens when you walk into the door of a search engine and say, yeah, where's the Excedrin? And they say aisle three, and you walk over to aisle three. But between your walk... You're Before hammered. you get to aisle three, information is passed through a system to Tylenol that says, this guy's looking for Excedrin, and Tylenol says, okay, I got a rule for that. You get to aisle three, Excedrin's on the very bottom of that shelf, and all the other shelves are packed with nothing but Tylenol. Right. Right. And the grocery store is profiting greatly from Tylenol to suppress you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, you know. And it's, well, it's a really interesting problem. <laughs> you know why? It's because it's it, Tylenol 3. It is. But, <laughs> but, where, but where you need to start is not, you know, what my idea of what the Internet should be like. It is to start with, with the real-life analogy. You know, trademark law hasn't changed. Um, and, and, and you need to think about, you know, the, the trademark law is the same on the Internet as it is off the Internet. Um, and, you know, that would seem a little strange. Um, but, you know, and the grocery stores do that. <laughs> you when know, they have the 25-week the contract with, with one soda company and the 25-week contract with the other soda company where, you know, the soda aisle just happens to have a lot of that brand in it that week. Right. At eye level. Yeah. Uh, and and then, then the brand you're really looking for is in a little spot down at the bottom where you never look. Yeah, but, this, is, this is really frustrating big brands who, of course, spend a lot of money on advertising and they and, spend and, a lot and, of money for placement in the grocery store. That's right. And when people are looking for them, all of a sudden they have to pay a premium to the guy who says, well, I'll give it to your customer, but you know what? Your competitor is paying me a hell of a lot more to make sure that uh, I, I, I suggest him instead, even though your first request was Excedrin. But that's exactly what happens in the real world, though. Yeah. They sell that eye level. You're right. They, they, they sell the end caps uh, on the aisle and everything, don't they? Isn't it amazing? And then when, now when you go to the checkout line, what happens if I buy a brand of, if, if I buy 10 cans of Purina dog food? Out pops a little coupon. Have you ever, have you ever noticed this? Yeah, oh, yeah. Out pops a coupon for some other brand of dog food? Yeah, <laughs> right, right in front of you. That's right. <laughs> you know, and, and, and within limits, 
you know, that's what competition is. It's about using brands to distinguish competing products. It's not about the elimination of competition. And consumer it's behavior. Like, consumer there behavior are, there are boundaries on unfair competition, which is the, the, the broad category of law into which trademark, uh, trademark law falls. And, you know, I'm fascinated by the word fair. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a push and shove thing in the commercial world, and it always has been in the Internet. It's no different. Well, how many years do you think it's going to take them to figure this one out? <laughs> you have to wait for some of these judges to kill over, huh? It's the never-ending twilight battle. Yeah. There are some people who've gotten it. Um, you know, there's, there's a great, great uh, decision out of the uh, out of the Seventh Circuit Court, uh, which is most of the Midwest, um, that uh, you know recognized that if someone who's selling aftermarket beanie babies was using the domain name bargainbeanies.com, and they had beanie babies, but they also had other collectibles there. And, um, you know, the Seventh Circuit said, well, you know, the, the whole point of this Beanie Baby thing, I don't even know if that's still going on, was this artificial scarcity and, and, and generating this secondary market. You know, but how can there be a secondary market if people can't refer to these products? And if people are interested in these products, they're probably interested in other collectibles, too. Um, but the world moves a lot slower than technology, which yeah. uh, you know can be very frustrating. Well, you know, I just read somebody, a lawyer, sent me an email this afternoon that uh, Google, uh, in the Geico case, mm-hmm. uh, the judge ruled in Google's favor. Mm-hmm. Right. Google get, the headline: Google gets legal victory as judge rules ad policy doesn't violate federal trademark laws. Yeah. Yep. And, and these, um, these are very important decisions because this, 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 again, is about, about precedence. It is a big one. i got yeah. a lot of clients that are paying attention to this case. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And these, these things bounce back and forth. But the other, the other thing about trademark law in particular is that it's very fact-specific. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, people will come with very general questions. And, and even with money, I have to, to, to degenerate into giving examples of this and examples of that. Because it is a, a line-drawing exercise in, in, in a gray area sometimes. And what matters, you know, are the specific facts, the specific circumstances uh, of the case. Like, you know, the difference between, you know, Napster and having a centralized uh, search directory of copyrighted material or, or, or some of the more distributed peer-to-peer systems that, uh, you know, where, where there isn't, you know, someone you can point a finger at and say they're doing something wrong. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it, it can very much depend on, you know, the strength of the mark, uh, the, the type of marketplace it is. Um, you know, people who buy Rolls Royces, you know, generally won't be fooled by cheap imitations. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people who buy uh, cheaper products can be fooled by cheap imitations. Right. right. Well, okay, uh, you had a first question. Statute of limitations. Ah, okay. Uh, you mean in, in terms and, of and, uh, why with ICANN and domain name transfers and all that stuff? I mean, you know, you've been sitting around for three years, and this guy's had your, he's been squatting on you. Haven't done anything about it. All right. There is a there is a defense in trademark law called latches, uh, which is um, I have been doing something that would otherwise be wrong for so long that this guy did not adequately enforce or protect his rights. Trademarks, trademarks can be lost if they're not, uh, if they're not uh, enforced. Um, nylon was a trademark. Cellophane was a trademark. Escalator, zipper, aspirin was a trademark. Um, but they became the generic products for the, uh, for the terms that they are, and, and it takes vigilant enforcement uh, in certain circumstances to protect trademarks. Um, 
the, uh, uh, latches comes into play at around six years. If, and there had to have been some reason for me to know if I'm the if I'm the defendant, there had to be some reason for me to know that the that the trademark owner really didn't like what I was doing, but they they sort of gave me reason to believe that they weren't going to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. They sent me a cease and desist letter, and then you know ten years later they show up at my doorstep ready to enforce their trademark. Uh, they can run into problems with that, uh, and, and again, a rule of thumb is about six years. And that, in, in UDRP disputes, you'll see that too. When I when I'm looking at when someone comes to me with a case, and I see they've got their domain name registered in, in 1995, a lot of times I really don't care what the facts are. Uh, you know, this is 2004, gang. Where have you been for nine years? And uh, and panelists will take that approach too. That's you know not true in every circumstance, but if you look at uh, and someone did a graph one time of dates of you know, how long has a domain name registered versus the, the probability, the outcome? And you, and you find that, you know, people have had it for a long time. Uh, things really start to dramatically tilt in favor of the uh, domain registrant. Mm, yep. Uh, guys, so, uh, I didn't uh, answer uh, the first question because it was a shorter answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was the less interesting one. For sure. <laughs> so, guys, we have to. I'm getting the the big red light here because uh, uh, we had such good content. I guess we ran over about uh, 36 minutes and. Uh, uh, we, I, I definitely want to have both of you guys back on. Uh, um, I think there's so much. Uh, no one would ever say that uh, uh, law is interesting, but uh, John, you've uh, you've definitely had a uh, uh, t- turn that into a new uh, meaning. Um, I want right. uh, We're going to wind down the show now, and I uh, definitely want to have you guys back on. I really appreciate uh, your time, uh, Noel and uh, John Berryhill, for uh, joining us tonight. Well, I think it'd be, um, I think it'd be much better, Monty, if I was there with you, though. Well, come on down. All right, good. come on down. And um, uh, just a reminder, we'll be on next Wednesday. Uh, we're going to probably have Matt Cutts from Google on, online and uh, David Wormuz from, uh, from Chulian. And so it should be an exciting show. Uh, make sure that you look at the rest of the lineup on Webmaster Radio. Uh, there's some great shows uh, uh, the, the hosted by great SEOs and people that have relevant uh, content and information on the web. So uh, with that, I'll, uh, I'll sign off and... Uh, and I'll uh, see you next week at the same time, same place. Be the master of your domain on Domain Masters. Thank you.